This is an ABC podcast. You hear about them, that the walls have sunk in a corner or a foundation has collapsed. It's easy to forget that the solid ground you live on, that you walk over, that you drive on to get to work every day, is not as stable as you might think. They know that that's what's going to happen, right? It'll be more amplified than if you're in a a non-mining area. But what if there was the risk that the ground under your suburb was less stable than you thought? Something's on the move, you know, and they pretty much usually accept that fact because of where they live. Hey, I'm Laurie Stixon. Today on the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up, could your house be sitting on a sinkhole? We're looking at mining subsidence and how it ties back to the Hunter's coal-rich history. We didn't hear anything and we were just heading out um, to go to the shops across the street and it was all blocked off already. Wallsend has been one of those spots where lately a few sinkholes have popped up within the last few weeks. An exclusion zone was set up on Saturday after damage was discovered near one of the bowling greens, along with damage to the road out the front. And we had no idea what was happening and the police told us that um, the situation was developing with a sinkhole in the bowling club. I was, I was a bit nervous because it is an area that floods, so I was a bit nervous about flooding, but I had not considered this as a problem. <laughs> How are you going? <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting me. I'm out at Walls End Park meeting Cavill Martin and her husband. Cavill is the president of the Walls End Heritage Group. Um, how far does your connection go back in your family? Uh, for the family in general for Walls End goes back to 1858. Uh, when the first of the family came out, and of course, for mining. For mining, which is what Wall's End is known for. It was an old colliery. It's here. Mm. It's why it's here. To understand what's driving those sinkholes in the present, we need to look back to the past. Flashback to the early 1800s when coal was discovered in Newcastle. The demand for coal over the next 100 years shaped the region and fuelled the growth of the city we know today. The amount of coal they could mine and the rich seams and the type of coal, the Walls End coal, uh, which has is, which is, got the name even in other areas of Australia. People think of just Walls End as being here, but Walls End coal's a, a brown coal, and it's in uh, Wollongong in Western Australia and even in uh, New Zealand. It's called Walls End coal because of the quality of the coal. Lots of little miners' shacks, little wooden huts, mainly only one bedrooms, and uh, they were all owned by the coal company, the little houses on Pitt Town and on a 99-year lease. And they'd have wells out the back with a bucket attached and a, a long rope. And, and if you started to walk on those wooden tops of those wells, you'd, you'd quiver and quake because they, they were so rickety, honestly. It, it was a different world. Coal mining back then wasn't known for its safety. It was a pretty rickety operation. Let's say over in Norton's Lane, you're looking back into the 1880s and there was a small mine there called the Lily Rose. Now, it was only worked by two or three men at a time, but it would fill up with water as well and have to be pumped out all the time. Anyway, there were there was two men who drowned in that and now there is a very large nursing home built in that street. So we haven't got a guess. Of course, there'll be mine workings under all that area too. Over time, as the colliery slowly shut down, the mine shafts and tunnels were filled in, covered over and built upon. 
But things can still move all the way underground and that movement can cause depressions on the surface or even sinkholes where the ground opens up. Cabell, do you remember growing up and hearing about mine subsidences and, and sinkholes back when you were growing up? Yes, you did. You heard about them all the time because my father worked in the New Stan Colliery out near Awaba. And of course, as I said, his father was in the mines and his grandfather. And you'd hear a lot about it. And uh, he used to have some maps, in fact, of all the underground workings for Curry Curry as I was a child. And he'd talk about those quite often, you know, the extent of them. And Walls End's just the same. It, it's just a catacomb underneath of, of all these mine working areas and, and the amount of water. This has happened here and there across Newcastle, even here in Walls End Park. So we're walking down a, a path now. We've got a, in Walls End Park, we've got a playground on the left. We've got beautiful big trees lining this footpath. There's houses on the opposite side. We're walking towards a very green uh, soccer oval ahead of us. Okay, where the picnic seating is, yep. <laughs> that's where it falls in wow. all the time. So it still falls in now? That the sinkholes and subsidences pop up just where this picnic table is? Pretty much. You can actually still see a lower circle around yeah, this section. You can you actually. actually there's, can. there's a little bit, when you're looking towards the picnic table where the grass is, the, the, the ground yeah, dips down. It does. It? it still dips down. So, um, so maybe that. we should stand here then. <laughs> the extensive mining of Newcastle to get those rich coal seams has left most of the region undermined and at potential risk of subsidence. Some of this mining has also occurred at very shallow depths under the surface. Structurally, we're at the northern end of something called the Sydney Basin. And the Sydney Basin has, uh, at the base of the Sydney Basin, has sequences of um, ordinary rock and coal layers in between them. And they happen to sort of poke up at the surface between sort of Newcastle and the end of Lake Macquarie. Stephen Fittius is a local geotechnical engineer and a former professor of the University of Newcastle. The only significant subsidence in sinkholes we see in the Hunter region are related to past mining activities. So certainly the layers of coal are the reason we had past mining and, and, and the link there to, to subsidence is, is, is almost one-to-one. -one. So historically, the, uh, the old timers who mined the coal went in pretty much from the surface and followed the coal and often followed it deeper as they as they chased it and, and then sort of, you know, as it got too deep, they stopped and then they found another coal layer that was coming near the surface and started again. So there's a series of, of areas around Newcastle where the coal seams are close to the surface where the, the oldest mining is and the oldest mining is um, causing us the most problems because it happened before we built out the top of it and, and, and now we've built out the top. I've heard uh, reference, Stephen, that, you know, if you were to look at a map, you could pretty much walk a continuous loop underneath the surface of, of Newcastle uh, in mining tunnels. Is that is that how you would see it as well, like a honeycomb? That's the word I've heard. Uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's probably not a bad analogy. The coal mining has happened in a number of different layers, you know, so the, the biggest and thickest layer at the bottom was the borehole seam, and we've mined that extensively. It's mined under the CBD of Newcastle, it's mined out under the ocean, it's mined under the harbour. Um, it's mined back around many of the inner city suburbs. Theoretically, uh, you, you could sort of you know, go from mine to mine and, and walk through. Uh, there are barriers left between mines that separate them. Um, sometimes they get breached, but um, yeah, pretty much. It's, you're right, it, it's, it's fairly heavily extracted all the way through. Once you get north of, certainly everything north of the Hunter River is, there, there is no coal and there is no coal mining. 
areas that tend to be further north go beyond the reach of the lowest sea. So, for example, there's no mining under the university. So there are places around. But look, there's a significant area of the Newcastle, Lake Macquarie urban areas that are they're undermined and probably more undermined than not undermined. People building on top of old mining areas means that there is more of a risk here than in areas where mining didn't occur. This doesn't mean these events are bound to happen. The number of subsidence events isn't increasing, but every time a sinkhole opens up, people are going to question, what is going on underground and am I at risk? We can see through the ground. It's, that's when I fell in love with this work uh, many years ago. It was To me, it was magic. John Fitzgerald is the director of Total Structural Scanning Australia. John's job involves using a ground-penetrating radar to map out what's going on under the surface and to figure out how to plug the hole or depression. I guess the easiest way to sort of understand what you're saying is most people have used a fish finder. So you basically get similar imagery back on the screen. So everything's kind of a profile of the layers of sediment. How often do you go to a site in the Newcastle and Hunter region and you do discover there is a risk of mine subsidence or, or sinkhole? In Newcastle area, not very often at all. Um, hmm. Extremely uh, not common. The majority we see is in Western Australia because you've got 12 metres of sands typically. Well, at the moment, the current rate we're seeing in Newcastle would be a pretty standard rate in Western Australia, sort of Perth region. There are strategies in place to mitigate risks, like preventative grouting or using cement, but more proactive works aren't cheap to pull together. Look, I think the big thing is, is that there's never really a proactive stance. It's all reactive. So something happens and then they're like, oh, OK, we need to get someone to look at this. What should we do? And if they do even bother, sometimes I'll just get an excavator out, dig it out a bit more and fill it. Like there was a um, proposal put through by one of the MPs in Canberra of fixing radars to the rubbish trucks and things like that so that as they're travelling the streets, they are actually obtaining this data. So that way you could have a much better predictor. You could start seeing the dipping layers within the soil of the formation beginning and start to take preventative remedial action. The kind of prohibitive part of that becomes the data processing and analysis because it's not a system that you just go along and it goes, oh, hey, there's a sinkhole here. It requires a geophysicist to look at that data, interpret the data and even though radar is a very high-speed mapping method, you can go over 100 kilometres an hour while mapping with radar. Um, the amount of data you'll collect in that time, you could do a day of scanning at high speed and that might take a geophysicist a month to go yeah. through that data because there's just so much packed into it. It is just a part of the geological nature of the earth. You know, there is the rock cycle, which is a turnover, and there is erosion. These are natural things that are going to occur. It's not something that you can eliminate permanently forever. It's the world we live in. And then what that mole, you remember that ad that was like, dig before, um, you dial know, the mole. Dial before, dial you, before you dig. That's right. Deep inside Maury Mole's headquarters, he inspects the dangers. And, and what was it? Ma, Ma, what was his name? Someone the mole. The mole. Maori the mole? What? <laughs> Whoever he was. <laughs> Maury has a special mission just for you. If you see a hole, don't think you're a mole. Walk in the if you've grown up around the hunter, you know Maury the mole really well. 
that's part of the coal mining legacy of the region. It's inevitable, isn't it? People are out to make money. So while ever there's a block of land available, there'll be houses built on them. The only problem is probably the people buying should do a bit more research first and make a better judgment on what they're doing first. And if they're going to take the risk, take the risk. I spend a lot of time reading archival material. I've read coal mining reports when I'm tracking things down. And I think it's up to the individual. If, if you're going to be in that area and it's going to impact on your life, you better do your own research and make your own decision. Because, you know, the more informed you are, the better you will be in the long term. Right? I don't think people are going to say, well, I didn't know that would happen. I didn't know anything about it. Consider Newcastle is a mining area. Check everywhere you're going to build. Right? There's good information out there and there's all the mapping available. I, just make an informed decision. People are vigilant about the risks. It's something we can't change about where we live. It's not getting worse, but it's part of the legacy of living around Newcastle. As Cavill would say, it's local history. It's an interesting area. All, all towns have got a story, but every town's interesting and I never cease to find things here. The Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up is produced on a Awabikul country. It's presented and produced by me, Larise Dixon. It's produced by Toby Hemmings and Michael Black. Our digital producers are Keely Johnson and Cecilia Connell. Executive producers are Blythe Moore and Lucia Hill. If you like the pod, don't forget to subscribe in the ABC Listen app. It's the easiest way to stay up to date with what we're making. We'll be back next week with more local stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.